We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Thursday, the 30th day of June, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? It's good to see you. Oh, healthy and alive. Um, crazy that this month is already almost over. Yeah. Almost first. Yeah. We've got five months left in this year already, if you can believe that. What are we at? 178 days till Christmas, I believe? Oh. I think so. And I believe that we are um, 900 days into flattening the curve, I think. Yeah, I, that I sounds think. about right. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, what's going on today? I, I haven't really paid too much attention to the news. Uh, what's front and center for you? Is it this um, this whatever I hear about Trump? I hear Trump's like grabbing steering wheels or something now. What's what's going on? And it has something to do with January yeah. 6th or something. I don't know. Like this is this is so bad that whoever they had on the other day, some senator they had on MSNBC on Morning Joe, they actually had to cut the feed because of what he said. It's just, it's not selling. The, like the, the ratings for it have just plummeted and it's just, it, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's almost like the American people are done with it. It's almost like they realize that you're lying to them repeatedly. Um, yeah, basically what, what the argument is, he was using foul language, attacked one of the Secret Service or... Uh, the the driver of the the beast or whatever I I don't know he, he, he they they say he grabbed the steering wheel they being some woman and I don't know who she, how she was involved or there or was she looking into the car at the time or I, I I have no idea what the situation is but she claims that happened and the secret service are like no it didn't we'll testify it didn't happen so uh basically they presented it. And within a few hours, it was already shot down and shown to be false. Uh, the, the problem is, I don't think they're going to have the Secret Service there testifying that that was false. I don't think they're going to have any counter arguments at all, uh, because uh, any of the counter arguments that were uh, presented or, well, the, the evidence they've been presenting was uh, a Donald Trump tweet. So this is the, the biggest one that I remember because I only watched like five minutes of it. Um, it's just a sham. But I remember they were reading one of his tweet tweets and it was the one where he said, you know, be peaceful. And they forgot to mention the rest of it. They 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 cut out the rest of it. They they showed it to you. You could see it. If you read ahead of what they were reading, you seen that he said, be peaceful. But they stopped before they got to that part. And it it's just yeah, it's it's a sham. Kangaroo court. Secret Service says that uh, they will testify under oath, but like you said, I don't think it'll get that far. They say that they will testify under oath that the claims made by uh, Hutchinson, Hutch or Cassidy Hutchinson, saying that uh, Trump did not grab a steering wheel of an SUV. I, I, why, why do we care about this? Is, is there, is there? That's the other question. Is there a reason that we're supposed to care about this, other than the fact that it serves as a distraction? Um, well, let's see. It keeps you looking internally. You're no longer looking at what's going on around the world. You're not looking at what China's doing. You're not looking at what the government's doing with the supply chain or with inflation. I, I think this is uh, just more smoke and mirrors. The The other thing that I'm curious about, you remember how CNN said they were going to change things and they were going to be more honest and, and, you know, tell the truth and all that kind of BS. Um, where have they stood up and, you know, have they given any airtime to any of the, the people that are... Um, Secret Service or even their representative or something or or a, a liaison or something, you know, somebody to. No, they haven't. They've been lying to you still. Speaking of that, the, the January 6th committee, where, where's the opposition to that? Like, where, where's the the opposition council that's supposed to be up there for cross-examination? Anything? Nothing? Yeah, they're not. They're not allowed. In fact, I think isn't the uh, entire January 6th panel, aren't they all Democrats? Yes. The only quote unquote Republicans well, that they have up there are, um, I'll be nice, the rhinos. 
Yes, yes, they're uh, they're, they're rhinos, and then of course uh, you had you had Sean Penn who was up there testifying the other day uh, on behalf of the January Sixth Committee. Did you see who he was sitting next to? Did you see the Capitol Police officer he was sitting next to? That was the one yes, that yes. he nearly lost his life uh, when he got crushed by other cops and someone ripped his gas mask off of his face, and he, he wasn't yeah. sure if he was going to get out of there with with his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it kind of it looked like an uncomfortable situation and people have been squished to death before. This is true. Uh, I just I don't recall law enforcement officers in riot gear getting squished to death. I don't I don't recall that happening. Right. I, and I, I yeah. don't recall. Well, as a matter of fact, I remember the the cops that were in riot gear that day. I remember them opening the doors, waving people in. That's that's what I remember um, them doing. Uh, yeah. Unlocking the uh, the doors that had, you know, 2000 pound pressure resistance on them. I mean, you, you can't just force your way into those doors. They're not designed to be forced into. You have to have them open like that. So there was another thing I remember those law enforcement officers that were in the riot gear. I remember seeing them do. It was like a uh, the, you remember the 70 year old man that was standing there. And he was uh, berating the law enforcement officers. I didn't, I, I mm-hmm. give him that. But mm-hmm. they had their uh, baton or stick or whatever, and they just kind of shoved him. With yeah, it. they shoved him. And the guy the chest, fell yeah. over and smacked uh-huh. his head on a concrete yep. barrier and yep. was in a coma for a while. Uh-huh. Yeah, I do remember that happening. But yeah. Uh, oh, and there, there was also the um, Ashley Babbitt that was yeah. you know, shot. That, yeah, that, shot. But I don't remember any law enforcement being. Well, no, there was the one that was bludgeoned to death. No, there was one that was bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher. Right, right. Well, I thought he died from the vapors of the fire extinguisher. Well, it could have been, yeah. But then there was, Mm -hmm. yeah, but he also, I think he died of a heart attack uh, that day. Mm Uh, was it the heart attack or stroke? I don't remember. Because of exhaustion, was, yeah. He was, he was yeah. exhausted. Uh, but then yeah. you had people looking at the security cameras, pointing at the doors as to say, you know, open this door you know, from the inside, and then grabbing Capitol Police officers and tossing them aside, but then giving them a high five after that was over. Huh. And, you know, just on that, just because we're discussing it, I and, and the, the, I'm not going to play it for any other reason other than that. I have to ask, what was the role of the American FBI on that day? We've asked that question before, but since we're here and since we're having this discussion now, I'm going to play Senator Ted Cruz asking the exact same questions that I would ask to the assistant director of the FBI if I were sitting on that panel. I want to turn to the FBI. How many FBI agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th? Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. uh, Did any FBI agents or or confidential informants informants actively participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Sir, I can't I can't answer that. Did any FBI agents or confidential informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents any F- or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? Sir, I can't answer that. Ms. Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him. Well, there are a lot of well, people who are understandably very, very concerned, understandably about, very Mr. concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered And there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow, we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, fed, 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 fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. The next day, on January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Sir, similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. Do you know what? She can answer all of these things, but she's not going to. They know damn good and well what they did on that day. And they're doing everything they can to try and bill it to the American people and to anybody that cares that this wasn't the case. Remember, the best defense is a good offense, right? Yeah. Every every time she said there, I can't answer that. The answer is yes. Every time that yes. Yeah, that 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 is the answer. That's the conclusion. I can't answer that. That 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 is um even if the answer was no, I, I feel like if the answer was no and and they would clearly say, No, it's not. It, <laughs> It's pretty Man, straightforward. That, that was so. It's pretty straightforward. It, it, it is pretty straightforward. That, that one is a. Uh, <sighs> the other question I have is, um, 
who who are they who are they subject to? Who are they under? The attorney who's the, general. Who's the watchdog of them? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, the, um, the 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 uh, FBI. The, the yeah, it's um. Pretty sure they're under Congress. Is justice justice is under Congress? It's uh, not, they it's might not, well because FBI is not a that's not a constitutionally sanctioned organization. Neither is the CIA. No. Neither is no. Um, well, a lot of our organizations aren't sanctioned by the Constitution. They just put them in. I think it was by it was either by bill would put them under Congress or it was by executive order. So it would put them under the executive branch. But, yeah, we, but we just say they're under the ju justice. Yeah. It's, um, they're law enforcement, huh? They do say it is Department of Justice. Yeah, DOJ. Office of Director of National Intelligence. So they're under intelligence services. Well, so uh, intelligence is under Congress. Yeah. So they're a member of the... Uh, yeah, okay. So they report to both... Yeah, so it was the AG. So Merrick Garland... Right. So they report to him, which we all know about him. Right. He's the one that that declares you as a as a parent. He declares you a, d a domestic terrorist. Uh, and they also report to the director of national intelligence. So they report to both. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I, 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 I don't like I, I don't like these organizations they have like the FBI. No. I, I don't trust them anymore. No. The thing is, is FBI can be changed it, it, because of technology and the, the advancements we have. The FBI just needs to be a repository. It, it basically law enforcement, you book somebody or, you know, you put a warrant out for them or whatever. And that goes into a uh, database, if you will, that any law enforcement around the, the country can access. That's all you need. So you have the information out there. We've already it, got you that. don't need a FBI. We've already got that. We just seem to kind of have like this merger now of, oh, it's got to go through the FBI to do this. And do you remember those things that popped up after 9-11 that were put under the auspices of DHS? They were called threat fusion centers. Do you remember those? Mm -hmm. Who mm -hmm. are they accountable to? Mm -hmm. I mean, these are these are things I remember people talking about this stuff like, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 years ago. And they were saying, who are these people accountable to? These are federal offices that have access to Law enforcement records, criminal records, medical records, just about anything you can imagine, as in threat fusion centers. And they're supposed to coordinate between the FBI, local law enforcement, local health services. Who are they? And, and they would just go up in neighborhoods somewhere. Hang on a minute. The, the federal government's moving into your neighborhood and they're not accountable to anybody. Does anybody else see a problem with this? And as far as I know, they're still there. Yeah, um, that and that's another organization, the DHS in general. Oh, that the most I useless organization believe on the planet. Be. Most useless yeah. organization on the planet. Yeah, it shouldn't have been another one of those thanks Bush uh, situations. It it should not exist, in my opinion. No, it shouldn't. It's it's it was created twenty years ago because everybody threw their common sense to the wind after those towers came down and said, "Look, just yep. do whatever you need to do to keep us safe, and we don't care. Just just do it." That's what the people were saying. J just just take care of whatever you need to take care of because we want to go back to shopping, right? Isn't that what Bush said? Oh, go out and go shopping. Take your family to Disneyland, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, get yeah. the whole family loaded up. Go on vacation. Don't worry about anything. We'll run everything. You're going to run everything, all right, run right into the, the damn ground. ground. Yep. Yeah. So these organizations were created. The DHS was created. We tossed our Fourth Amendment. We torched that. That's confetti now. You don't have to worry about that. That's gone because you're being searched at the airport because you're guilty until proven innocent. And then they say, well, um, yeah, we're here to um, to act as a deterrent for terrorists. How many terrorists have you caught in your entire existence? How many have you caught? The answer is zero. I'll answer it for you. It's zero. So what good are you? We've put how many hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars into this organization? And it's completely useless. It's completely useless. You're less safe now than what you were. What you have is a lot of smoke and mirrors. That's what you've got. You've got the illusion that you're safe when in reality you are less safe now than you were before. I remember saying at the time to people when that was all being created, I mean, here I was, you know, 19, 20 year old kid. And I, I'm telling people, I'm like, hey, uh, do you guys not see the problem with this here? Do you not see the problem? Because this is eventually, I mean, if you if you start looking at, at historical uh, aspects where governments create agencies like this, this could come back on people. As in, they'll start using it domestically. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You, you don't know what you're talking about. What do you hate, America? You unpatriotic? That's what you got. Because if you were against anything, if you were against the Iraq invasion and everything else, then you hated America. Do you remember that? Yeah. 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 I remember that time. Yeah. 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 I, 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 going through some of these uh, agencies that were, we have 24 agencies under DHS now, by the way. It was 16. Yeah. It's, it's 24. Uh, I just went through and manually counted how many there are. Good Lord. Uh, yeah. Anyway, 
completely useless. Absolutely useless. And if they were so useful, because we've got that many, is Border Patrol under DHS now? I, I'm assuming it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because Mayorkas uh, is up there. Yeah. That's yeah. Citiz testifying. Citizenship and immigration services. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. So that explains why the border is open. Uh, Texas tractor trailer migrant deaths. Two Mexican nationals yeah. living in the U.S. illegally hit with weapons charges. You heard about this. Yeah, you're the one that actually brought this to my attention. Yeah, there's what? 50, what'd you say? 51? 53. Uh, that, uh, 53. 53. Okay. Uh, I seen a headline earlier that said 51 earlier this morning. Yeah, they had uh, they had some of them that had jumped off of the truck at some point or fell on, fallen off, whichever. Blocks back. They were dead. So they, they probably died on the truck and then fell off. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a. Um, bad ordeal. And you know what? Um, you can thank Joe Biden's administration. Uh, you can thank his open border policy for those and secretary, deaths. Secretary Mayorkas as well. Yes. Uh, well, I, I consider, you know, part of the administration, but it, because they have the open border policy, those people think they can push through and get in. And it was on a day that it was 103 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, which is, what is that, like 40 degrees Celsius, roughly? That's pretty um, hot, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hot. And they died from uh, heat exposure. They they even had uh, uh, put steak seasoning on, on them, which as odd as it sounds, what? that was actually to, they put steak seasoning to divert the dogs to hide the scent of the humans. So do they know that dogs like steak? Do, do they know? That? <laughs> I know. That's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe this was a shipment of cannibalism and they were actually seasoning them before they slow cooked them on the way over. What, what, like what, uh, what is this? Is, is this like, you know, is this like the movie The Mule or something where he rubs like Ben Gale over his hands and he gets out and he pets the uh, the canine because he's got nothing but drugs in the back of his truck? I mean, what, like, what, is that is that what they think they're going to do here? I, I guess. I, I don't know. It, but apparently maybe it does work and maybe that's one of the things that they do. I, I don't know. I'm not in that world. But um, yeah, um, unfortunately, trafficking because of the open border situation, we're just empowering the cartels and they're making loads of money under the, the Biden administration because uh, the importation of fentanyl, the importation of, uh, well, you don't really have to import weapons, but they do. Uh, and uh, also human trafficking, all of those things are, and you would think, you know, uh, Western culture, we, we got rid of slavery. Uh, you would think that, you know, our society looks, frowns upon uh, that. So why would there be a market of human trafficking? Well, uh, it just so happens that every Super Bowl you know, every large get together event, basketball game, you know, whatever, uh, where the elite are, you're going to find human trafficking. Anywhere there's money, there's going to be somebody paying for um, sex. And isn't it interesting, you were you were actually explaining earlier that uh, there's one state in the union, at least one that we know of, that doesn't have any human trafficking laws. Yeah, I, I haven't double checked to look into it, but the guy that was talking about it, that's the line of work he's in. He's trying to save people from human trafficking. And he's like, there's one state that doesn't have it. And Illinois doesn't have human trafficking laws, apparently, on the books. Let's see real quick. I don't exactly know how that works. I mean, human trafficking, we've, we've got federal laws against that. Does it supersede that? That was my that was my guess. Oh, uh, OK. So they just passed a law. They only just oh, passed a law just now uh, for okay. human trafficking. And it's uh, it, well, covers... it, has, it has become a bigger problem in recent years. And the reason I, I mean, I'm not saying it hasn't been there. It's always been there, but it has become a, a bigger problem in recent years. And why is that? Well, I'll explain it. It's quite simple, actually. When you have a country that is foundationally rooted in manufacturing and, and job opportunities and, uh, and a very high standard of living, you usually don't have that kind of crime. Case in point, look at America after the night and well, most of the West, actually, after the, uh, the Second World War. We didn't largely, I mean, it still existed, but we didn't largely have a problem with this, not to the level that it is today. And the reason being is because we actually had societies that had something to offer to people. We had futures that they were able to build. We had opportunities that people could take advantage of. Get yourself a good education. Go out, work in one of these, um, you know, manufacturing jobs or, you know, machinery jobs or an engineering job or a scientific or a medical job or something. And you can buy a home. You can have a family. You can settle down. If you have all these things and you're raising children, the last thing you want to do is raise them in societies where this type of thing exists. You don't want them around that. Same thing with the drugs. But as time progressed and we hit our problems of the 1970s, as in our economical problems that we ignored, 
And then as time progressed after that, then we hit an inflationary period in the 80s that we didn't solve. And then the 90s rolled around and we somehow or another sent George Bush Sr. and his cronies over to China and said after the massacre of Tiananmen Square, don't worry, don't worry, we got you covered. We're, we're with you here. That's where it should have ended in China. We should have cut off all relations at that point. Instead, what did we do? We sold ourselves out. We sold our manufacturing out. We sold our shipping out. We sold our raw materials out. We sold all of our opportunities, our future, our children's future, our grandchildren's future, and our great-grandchildren's future were sold out because of profit in the short term. You couldn't build a technocratic society in the West where we had democratic values. We wouldn't have put up with it. So what'd you do? You took it over to China. You started at the ground up. They used China as a platform to springboard themselves into the future past us. We have become deindustrialized. What happens when you become deindustrialized? Well, something else has to come in because nature abhors a vacuum, doesn't it? You have to have a replacement economy for what has been removed. You no longer have manufacturing. Therefore, you get transitioned into a service economy because your manufacturing has gone offshore. So you become the service provider. Those are low-paying jobs. Entry-level, low-paying jobs is all they are. They're not meant to support a family. They're not meant to, to support any kind of a, of a, a stable lifestyle or, or have a, a zero debt kind of, uh, kind of life. That's not what they're meant to do. They're meant to get you in the door to take a part-time thing while you're going to school to get an education to go on and do something else. But there is nothing else. So something has to fill that vacuum. Bring on the fentanyl, the opioid crisis, the homelessness. And with that comes crime. With more crime comes more opportunities for the criminal empires that form up within that underworld. Human trafficking, human capital becomes the new economy. Drugs become the new economy. The thieves within the society terrorize you, and you don't understand why. All you do is cry out to the government, fix this problem. And what does the government do? We throw money at it because we think throwing money at it fixes it. No, you don't stop to think about how you landed in that situation in the first place. We're treating a gunshot wound with a Band-Aid rather than doing trauma surgery and removing the bullet. I'll throw in as well, uh, while you were um, ranting, I, I went over the uh, trafficking law that Illinois has. It's not even a trafficking law, the one that they just passed. It's uh, When I said just passed, I mean just passes in like the last few years. Uh, it's... Uh, it's a it's a bill. It's a it's a trafficking victims protection act is what it's called. It doesn't even it's not even putting things into law. It's allowing the victim to sue. That that's it. So, wow, they've really made progress on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's um that's great. But you know one of the differences uh, to point out as well that you were talking about just after World War II and and you know starting people back then had a little bit of a different moral structure than what they have now and that might also be part of the uh, you know changes that we've seen yeah. in, in our society mm -hmm. no that's that that's that's true um i mean you had well let, let's just look at it like this you had our grandparents generation that came back from the war and they were still you know relatively i mean they came back at just the right time you know right in their you know mid to early to mid 20s just soon enough to have a little bit of fun for a few years you know hit the town with their friends or whatever and meet up with some uh, dates if you will and then uh, and then of course we're the end product of that we're sitting here so back then you also had a different kind of economy you could buy yourself an affordable home back then for what two three thousand if that I mean, we had we had stable we had stable currency, so you could buy yourself you could buy yourself a a decent home. Now it's not going to be a, a mansion or something, but you could buy yourself a home for I don't know between two and and seven thousand dollars to raise a family in. That's what would be your home. So now we're looking at if you're 20 years old or 25 years old or whatever, whenever you decide if you decide that you want to start a family, you sit down and you say, okay, well we would like to have a home to raise our children in. You know, two three bedroom home. That's going to cost you seven, eight hundred thousand dollars, and what are you going to pay that with? A, a job where you're making uh, seven twenty-five, eight twenty-five, nine twenty-five an hour, working a service job? That's not even feasible. That's not possible. The trends that we've been on—I mean, th these are the wrong tracks. 
They've been the wrong tracks. I remember when I was just when I was a teenager back in the 90s, I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm like, why on earth are things? I mean, I was questioning things back then. I'm like, why on earth are things this expensive? There's no way that this costs this much to do. There's no way. As a teenager, I was asking these questions and the adults at the time would just say, oh, you don't know how things work. Well, that that's exactly why I'm asking is why are these things costing so much? It shouldn't cost that much. I knew back then it shouldn't cost that much. Today, prices are just horribly out of control and they're going to get even worse. We're paying, what, what's an average new car now? 50,000? That's for a new car with no options. Is that about right? That's, yeah, 50, 60,000 for a new car without, yeah. It's, that's it's ridiculous. That. That's ridiculous. That's unacceptable. That is unacceptable. And then, of course, you have to pay the overblown insurance prices. You have to pay the overblown fuel costs on top of that. Uh, the, the insurance one actually really annoys me because uh, the government is not supposed to be able to force you to buy a private product. Like, we shouldn't have driver's it, licenses. That's like that's yeah, yeah. in my opinion, in my opinion, if we're going by the letter of the Constitution, us having driver's licenses in America is illegal. They can't make us do that, but we yeah, put up with technically, it. Technically, yeah. Yeah, we, we put up with it because safety. Same way, same same thing with insurance. We 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 put up with it because uh well, everything is so expensive, so you can't afford it. So you have insurance to pay for it, right? How does the insurance pay for it if they're not making money on it? Anyway, side note. It's just that that one, the insurance thing just really annoys me. I know it's kind of an ingrained thing that's there now, but it's like the government is holding a gun to your head saying you're going to buy this private product. That was the argument with the Obamacare thing was, uh, oh, no, we're, we're not going to force you to buy uh, the insurance. But what we're going to do, you, know, you remember the, the whole thing with, with Obama, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your plan, you can keep your plan. Uh -huh. But what he didn't tell yeah. you, which he was he was telling the truth. He was telling the truth when he said that. But what he was doing was he was telling you the truth, the whole truth and everything but the truth. But he wasn't really lying, was he? But what he didn't say was... Once it got passed, which I don't even think it was legal the way that they did it, but the, once it got passed, the new system was going to come in and bankrupt everybody. So you wouldn't be able to keep your plan because it wouldn't be affordable. You wouldn't be able to keep your doctor because that doctor would fall out of, quote, network and they wouldn't make any money. So they would have to close and they would have to go to work for one of the exchange network offices or whatever, one of the partnerships there. They're, they're forcing you to buy the product while saying, no, we're not forcing you to buy this. The government cannot force, the American government cannot force its citizens to buy goods and services. That's not debatable. That is not debatable. But yet we put up with it. Well, yeah, that, that's what it boils down to is they're not supposed to. Legally, they can't force you. But the, the problem is, is they're holding guns to our heads saying you're going to. With Obamacare, if you decided not to have health insurance, you had a, um, a, a increasing fine every year. The, the fine would increase. And keep increasing until finally uh, you wouldn't be able to pay the fine. And then you're looking at prison time because you wouldn't get health insurance. Tell me, is that not holding a gun to your head? Um, oh, but health insurance, uh, you know, you, you need that because, uh, you know, your health care prices are so expensive. Have you ever gone to a um, seen a doctor that will actually take cash that you, you can pay cash for for the stuff? Um Interesting note, um, if you go in and get a procedure done, whatever it is, life-saving or whatever, they'll charge you out the wazoo, knowing that the insurance company will fight them over it, and they're, you know, they're trying to get what, what the procedure's worth. But the problem is now, they're going so high on their rates, and the insurance companies are you know, fighting them, and they get it lowered, uh, but they're still charging way too much. If you pay cash, you can get a procedure that's something like, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars when you have insurance. You can get that same one for a few thousand, maybe even cheaper. It, it, it but you have to find the right doctor that's willing to take cash. If, if you don't have to fight the insurance companies, some of them are more than willing to do business with you one on one, and they will give you a much fairer price. So it's interesting that we're seeing these increases in in medical prices when it's all just a, it's all a scam. The, the hospitals, the uh, pharmaceutical companies, they're just exploiting the insurance companies and the insurance companies are exploiting you. You know, I've always said that in America, you're not a patient, you're a customer. When you walk into a doctor's office or into a hospital or, or something, that's what they want to do. They want to sell you something because you're a customer. The medical industry in America focuses on two things and two things primarily. Now, I'm not talking about this COVID and vaccine nonsense. Prior to that, right, let's go back before that. They focus on two things. Primarily, if you're a customer, 
what do they care about? They care about selling you something. That's exactly what they want to sell you. They want to sell you something. They want to sell you two things primarily in the United States. They want to sell you pharmaceutical drugs because they pay a lot. And they want to sell you unnecessary surgeries because those pay a lot too, because of what you just said, Bruce. So those two things, those are their cash cows in the medical business in America. Now, I'm not bashing people that work in the, uh, in the medical industry. That's just how things work over there. Is that right? No. Is that ethical? In my opinion, no, it's not. It's not. Because you're not treating people like people. You're treating people like objects to suck money out of. That's what you're doing. Do no harm. Isn't that, isn't that effectively doing harm by uh, exploiting them? Of course. Of course it is. I mean, I remember I, I was talking to somebody who's, who spent their entire adult life in, in the medical field in the US. They told me specifically, they said, look, the goal here, and it's not their goal. They, they, they were just saying in general, the goal here is to get everybody on something. Doesn't matter what it is, but it's to get everybody on something. Now, I can go another way with that. They want to get you on these drugs so you never get off of them. Are pharmaceutical drugs good? Now, I can say probably they have, they've come a long way. I'll, I'll put it that way. They've come a long way. We've been able to solve a lot of problems. We've been able to extend life. We've been able to ease suffering in a lot of respects. That I will say. Is everything that they prescribe necessary? No, it's not. Because if you walk into a doctor's office now, rather than look at, and case in point, look at the COVID agenda. If you walk into a doctor's office now, what does a doctor say? Well, let's try this. Let's try that. Okay, fine. I can cough that up to saying your practice, you're practicing medicine, right? I can cough that up to that. But when they say, let's try this, they're saying, let's try this drug that I just got brought to you by Pfizer. Let's try this. Let's try this synthetic drug. Let's try that synthetic drug while ignoring the natural aspect of things. Am I saying that there are natural cures to everything? No, no, I'm not. But my point is, is that that's the avenue that they should pursue first. I'm not a doctor, but that to me makes common sense. I want to provide a service. If I'm a doctor, I want to provide a service to my patient that is as least harmful as possible in order to fix their problem and the least damaging to them financially, right? Because I have a conscious, I have a moral compass. That's why I want to know why doctors don't look at nutraceuticals. Why don't they look at vitamin supplements? Why don't they do that? Well, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, they don't pay anything. That's the main reason. They get no money for that. Most of these things are are pennies to make and they're even cheaper to buy. I was actually looking at... Um, I was looking at D3 and Bruce, we were looking at a 60 day supply of D3 is like $3 of the amount, the daily value that you need every day to get a, a sufficient amount of D3. That's that's nothing. That's pennies. Ivermectin. Dr. Malone himself said, if you buy it in bulk, it's less than a penny a dose. There's no money in it. That's the first thing. The second thing, and I'm not saying this is true of all doctors. The second thing, most doctors don't have more than four to six credit hours of vitamin nutrition, of nutritional education in medical school. That's another problem. If we're going to stand up and we're going to take control of our own health on the other side of this, then we need to get people in the medical profession that can instruct people on how to do it properly. If you're going to live a healthy lifestyle, I can assure you that taking the steps to eat properly, to medicate yourself properly outside of of a pharmaceutical industrial complex that wants to keep you within their hooks, you're going to need people that instruct other people on how to do this. And we don't have it right now. What we have, again, not saying this is all doctors, what we have now are a bunch of pill pushers. We've got a bunch of drug dealers that work in these hospitals. That's what we've got. Again, I'm not saying that about everybody. I'm just saying a goodly percentage of them, that's what we're dealing with. Because how many of them have been pushing vaccines? Where are we with the vaccine pushes? I've heard of maybe, this is just me personally, I've heard of maybe four doctors, four that say they will not be administering or recommending COVID vaccines to their patients. The rest of them, oh, it's the, it, it's the greatest thing. You need to go out and get it. If you don't have it, why don't you have one? And why don't you have a booster? Why aren't you coming in to, to book your appointment with us? This is a problem. This is a big problem. So if we're going to separate from this collapsing system, then we need to have a way for people to be able to manage their own health on the other side. That's all I'm saying. There's a handful of doctors around here that are um, of the mindset of, uh, yeah, the vaccines aren't, that's not going to cut it. That's and they'll good prescribe you ivermectin and, you know, the those kind of things. Uh, I, I'm curious as well. Uh, this is kind of a rhetorical question, but 
if if science is so you know medical science is so good now you would think that they would not just prescribe pharmaceuticals that they would look at the wellness of the human being as a whole as you were saying like you you know you come in for whatever the problem is uh, pain sickness whatever they could prescribe you something then and there that would help ease the 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 pain and whatnot or whatever the problem is immediately but then they should talk to you about hey uh, maybe have you have you looked at uh, getting some more exercise uh, have you looked at uh, having a healthier diet instead of going to fast food restaurants all the time go the cheaper route yes I said cheaper route and make your own food at home you know buy the buy the fresh ingredients yourself it's actually cheaper in the long run to do that to have a healthy diet versus going to fast food or going out to eat wait a minute it's especially nowadays wait a minute you mean potato chips and chocolate pudding and coca-cola that's that's not food is that what you're saying you mean that frozen pizza that's that's not food you know the, the big mac meal at mcdonald's that's that's not food i'm not saying you shouldn't have those at all i'm saying you need to have them in much sparing uh, much smaller quantities sparingly you, you you need to have it um as moderation as like that so instead of having, I don't know, going out to your favorite burger joint or whatever it is, a fast food restaurant, two, three times a week uh, instead, or even more, instead, you know, cut it down to once a month uh, or, or something like that. You know, reduce it even, even a couple times a month and three, four times a month even would be better than doing it every single day of the week or, or you know, every time you're at work. And even if you, even if it's like not feasible, your job is, you're not, it's not feasible for you to make a lunch and, you know, bring a lunch to work with you or whatever. You, you, you go out to lunch, go to someplace that's healthier. You know, you can get something that's, that's better for you. If you're going to spend money on food, do it, you know, <laughs> treat yourself with good stuff, stuff that's healthy. That's going to, uh, you know, extend your lifespan. Uh, it's just because the medical world isn't doing that. Like your average doctor doesn't do that. They just treat the immediate symptom. I, I have difficulty trusting a lot of these doctors. It, yeah. It's, it's and, our hubris at that point is getting in the way. Yeah. And it's going to get even harder in the future to have these healthy food choices, because if we let uh, these these Gates types and, and the Schwab types like we're looking at bugs. OK, we're, we're looking at insect butter. We're looking at plastic bread and, uh, and sewage water like that. To that. That's no kind of healthy to that. Um, so Lab, I, I have some meat and everything. Sorry, I, uh, you know, just it burns me up to, yeah, yeah. to talk about that stuff. I, I actually I haven't I haven't told you this yet um, off uh, off air, but it, it just reminded me talking about the synthetic foods like that. I, I have some friends that are vegan and they, you know, obviously partake in the uh, various new impossible meats or whatever the hell it's called uh, that that are completely vegan. No, no dairy, no, none of that in it, which. I was unaware that there's actually vegan that actually has dairy in it or not vegan, but vegetarian that have vegan in it. But anyway, what or I, I'm failing to I'll keep get up it right. It. It's, it's getting so crazy now. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Like they want everybody to just yeah. become vegans. It's like, look, if I wanted to become yeah. a vegan, there's plenty of options out there now because we've made it some some trendy fad. If I wanted to become yeah. vegan, I'd become vegan. But I'm, I have no well, interest in that. And quite frankly, most of the stuff tastes like a doormat anyway. It's I, I've I've had some of them and they're not it's not it's not bad. It's definitely not a, a burger. If you're, if I'm gonna waste the calories and whatnot on eating a burger, I'm gonna have a real burger that's cooked on a grill or open fire or something. You know, something that's really good. Uh, but these things, apparently, uh, the two friends I had were having some weird side effects after eating them: headaches, vomiting, you know, stomach aches, could, those kind of couldn't things. Couldn't be all the chemicals, you know, the 900 chemicals that are in one of them, could it? They they got to researching it, including things like heart palpitations and those kind of things. Like it's really throwing them off. They researched it and found that this is really common. It's a lot more common than what's being told, and it's because of the synthetic uh, proteins they're using. I I believe it's based on like I forget which protein it's one of the beans uh, or pea or something like that. It's a synthetic protein they're using. That's what's causing the problem. It's new. Your body isn't used to this new protein, and your body's reacting in a almost like an allergic reaction in a sense, but without you know the uh, anyway. So yeah, they they've stopped eating those, and they're just gonna do the the fully natural, make it themselves kind of stuff. But I just thought it was interesting that all the stuff that we're talking about here, the synthetic meats and all of that. There's some real side effects that are actual health problems. 
You know, you can have a, a synthetic meat product that you can make yourself. And l let me explain. It's this simple, right? I, I know I know somebody that's a vegetarian and they don't do any of the meat. They're not a vegan or anything like that. And they still eat dairy. So you can still do like cheese and stuff like that. I mean, OK, fine. Or, or eggs or, or eggs, whatever. That, yeah. 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 They'll still do that. But as far as like poultry or fish or beef, they, they just won't do it, which, OK, fine. You know, I, I understand that. But what you can do as an alternative, take some mushrooms, right? Mushrooms are, are, are high in protein. You can take some mushrooms, right? Take a mushroom, yeah. a whole bunch of mushrooms, chop them up, right? And I mean, chop them up into like these fine particles, right? Mix in some water, some flour, make yourself some patties, throw them on to, I don't know, skillet or grill, whatever you want. There's your burger. There's your vegetarian burger. Mm -hmm. That's that can be vegan if you want it to be, and mm -hmm. and just go that way with it. And quite frankly, yeah. try doing a barbecue for a vegetarian guest. It's very difficult to do. Uh, and it I is. came up with these things, and it. You know what? I even I I, I bit down on. It. I'm like, all right, I, I I'll try one, right? Just because I'll try one. And you know what? It was really good. It was really good. We did. Uh, we actually did kebabs for them um, when they were over uh, for barbecue stuff. You make a nice kebab. Just, you know, obviously you don't have the meat on there, just yeah, your sure. fresh veggies. And uh, uh -huh. I think they did tofu as well, uh, some some seasoned tofu, but mm -hmm. um, mushrooms. Typically, they do a lot of stir fries, uh, quite a bit of stir fry, um, yeah. curries, barbecue sauce, all those kind of various flavorings. Well, soy becomes um, your, soy, like soybean would be like your typical protein. That's your, like the yeah, main that's protein, your yeah. protein, yeah. So along that's, with, that's what you uh, Along with mushrooms, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they they use a lot of edamame, which is soybean. Well, anyway, it's um, it's young, I believe. Yeah, it's yeah. like young, not fully matured. Yeah. Uh huh. You mentioned something about uh, reactions, allergic reactions, you know that kind of stuff. I was really down when I heard about uh, the saint of Dr. Anthony Fauci. You know, he had COVID again. Uh, he tested positive for COVID, and of course, he was still able to do interviews and and make public appearances, even though he had COVID. It was strange, but nonetheless, uh, he was experiencing some rebound COVID symptoms after taking Pfizer's antiviral product Paxlovid. I just so happen to have him talking about that. Thank you so much. I remember the last time that we interviewed you, you told us that you were staying away from the White House Correspondents' Dinner. You said that given your age, you felt it was potentially risky. And unfortunately, just weeks later, you ended up getting COVID yourself. Are you doing any better now? Uh, well, yes, I am. But I've had an, um, an interesting course that I think is becoming uh, more and more typical the more clinical experience we get. Um, I turned positive uh, about two weeks ago with very minimal symptoms. When they increased, I, given my age, I went on Paxlovid for five days and I felt really quite well, just a bit of rhinorrhea and fatigue. And after I finished the five days of Paxlovid, I reverted to negative on an antigen test for three days in a row. Uh, and then on the fourth day, just to be absolutely certain, I tested myself again, and I reverted back to positive by the antigen test. So it was sort of what people are referring to as a Paxlovid rebound. And then over the next day or so, I started to feel really poorly, much worse than in the first go around. So I went back on Paxlovid, and right now I am on my fourth day of a five-day course of my second course of Paxlovid. And fortunately, I feel reasonably good. I mean, I'm not completely without symptoms, but I certainly don't feel acutely ill. Do you think he's actually on it? The first time around, yes. I think he legitimately was on it. Second time around, I'm not convinced because it failed the first time. The second time, I, I don't know. It depends on how afraid he is of his life. Or his life, eh, whatever uh, phrasing. I find it difficult to believe that he would be not on it and then have problems and claim he was on it. It, it would be bad for the branding of the company when he has, I, I mean, he has stocks in that. He doesn't want the stocks to go down. He's a, he's a very, very prominent figure uh, when it comes to COVID. So yeah, I think he did try it in the beginning. It, what, what I would have actually would have been more believable is say he was on Paxlovid. He claimed he was on Paxlovid and then actually be on ivermectin and, ivermectin and zinc and, you know, just myothin, uh, vitamin D supplements, you know, those kind of things. I would I would more expected that because they have much higher effectiveness ratings, especially in his age group. And then just said, yeah, I'm, I'm on Paxlovid. But the, the fact that he's had the recurring symptoms, I, I think that's yeah, he really was on Paxlovid. Why would they be taking their own stuff? Like, I, I mean, 
haven't you noticed that it's rather interesting that none of these politicians are falling victim to adverse reactions and having high mortality due to the jab? I'm guessing, and that, that kind of confirms my my suspicions, is that they're not taking the same ones. It's possible. Um, the other the other <laughs> the other thing is, is they're all living a lavish lifestyle and have really good medical care versus the rest of us. Yeah, but um, if that were the case, they wouldn't need to take a vaccine in the first place. I mean, we know what Fauci was doing. That's why I said I don't think Fauci's actually taken a jab. I think he's shooting saline water simply because his emails that we looked at from the early days, he yeah. says, look, you don't need a vaccine for this. He was telling his, his private staff and everyone in his circles in the NIH, just take uh, this amount of D3 a day, take this amount of zinc, take this amount of vitamin C and you're fine. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm reminded of things that have happened in the past. Um, I watched uh, these <laughs> the vegan friends I was uh, just talking about. They showed me a video. They, they, they constantly tried to uh, convert me. They, they were showing me a video of uh, someone way back in the day involving, uh, uh, I'm going to probably skew the name, but I think it's tetraethanol. I don't know, something like that. Anyway, lead gas back in the day. And the dude that invented it knew it was toxic and yet drank a glass of it in front of everybody, knowing it was toxic, knowing he would get lead poisoning. And then after that, went on vacation for like three months or five months to recover. It might be a, a similar thing here that's going on with the elite. They fully know that this is this is going to potentially kill them, but they do it anyway because it's for the greater agenda. This is a uh, actually this one just came across. Uh, this is uh, someone that looks like he was on a uh, on a television show. Uh, I don't know which one. Uh, his name is Nick Nemiroff. Uh, I'm assuming he's from the UK. I believe that's the UK uh, TV show that he's on. But uh, last year, June, almost almost a year ago, uh, actually, it's just been a, just a little over a year, June 2nd of 2021, he tweeted the following. OK, so I got the vaccine and it did have a side effect. The area the needle went into, if I had to describe it, I'd say it's like the top part of my upper arm, if that makes sense. Heard a bit after. It seems OK now. But honestly, I do not recommend getting it. And I wish I could take it back. Fast forward to two days ago. It is with profound sadness that we announced the sudden passing of our beloved brother, Nick Nemiroff. I mean, can anybody not connect dots here? I mean, this is kind of this is this is exactly why I say you you don't see this kind of headline or this kind of tweet or or anything like that. You don't see that among the political class. You don't see anything like that at all. Now, supposedly, all these people up there on the hill are jabbed, doubled and and tripled and boosted and six one half dozen whatever the hell they're doing, right? Same thing with um, with Johnson. I think Johnson's had, what, five now? Boris Johnson's had five. Biden's had four uh, or five. I, I'm not sure. I refuse to believe that these people are skating by just clean. No, that's not how this works. When you've got them dropping dead by the thousands daily. And then, of course, you have Charlie Kirk, who tweeted the following. Justin Bieber's face is half frozen at 28. His career is over. His wife had a small blood clot in her brain and a stroke at 25. Miss Brazil 2018 just died from massive bleeding and a heart attack at 27, because that's normal. NBA star Caleb Swanigan just died suddenly at 25. Yeah. Um, as you said, nothing to see here. Safe and effective. Uh, and then I'd like to play this clip here of uh, Dr. Peter McCullough talking about what's actually going on. I mean, this this guy, I mean, he, he's been on points uh, in just about everything that he says anyway. But here he is uh, giving a speech at, uh, I'm not sure where this is, but he's talking about what, uh, what the potential side effects of, of all this could be. Now, fast forward, as death started to occur, people started to get very, very uncomfortable. You saw all the pushbacks, protests, all kinds of worldwide uh, 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 feelings of great vaccine hesitancy because people were dying shortly after the vaccine. Papers were published. 50% of the deaths occur within 48 hours, 80% within a week. We know the vaccines installed the genetic material for the Wuhan spike protein that was manipulated in a biosecurity lab in Wuhan, China. There are now a thousand papers published on the spike protein and the vaccines. A thousand that deal with vaccine injuries. And they're well characterized. And the FDA agrees. The vaccines cause blood clots. The vaccines cause heart damage. The vaccines cause neurologic damage. They also cause well characterized immunologic and hematologic system damage. This is in the peer reviewed literature. This is not equivocal. This is not a subject of controversy or debate. It's in our literature. There are now brand new diseases named after COVID-19 vaccine injuries. 
as of June 17, 2022, our CDC VAERS system has certified 13,388 Americans who have died with the vaccine. Now, either they've taken it electively or they were forced into it. That's 13,388 people who have lost their lives prematurely due to these vaccines. The vaccines qualify by the Bradford Hill criteria, which is a, it's a it's organized set of criteria on causality. They qualify as causing these deaths according to these epidemiologic criteria. I'm a trained epidemiologist. I am, I am uh, expert in applying these criteria. On a more probable than not basis, and almost, uh, almost certainly uh, 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 clear and convincing that these vaccines are causing death. There you go. And we've said it before, VAERS is anywhere from 1% to 5% of the actual deaths that are going on or, yeah. or side effects. Yeah. So that number that he showed there, um, it's, it's much higher than that. But the thing is, is we've had cases like vaccines that have been uh, produced that you know, they, they injected uh, like 900,000 people, I believe it was, and they only had nine people die of it. They canceled the vaccine immediately. Um, of course, they had some other side effects and whatnot that were going on as well. Uh, whereas this one, we've had, uh, you know, long term damage that's done. People have been maimed and people have died and they're still pushing the vaccine still. Yeah, and they're going to continue to. You're already hearing, we played it yesterday, British mainstream television. They're saying, oh, no, we, we got to start talking about masks again. And you got the, uh, the so-called health minister here where I'm at. He's saying, oh, no, we're going to be bringing these things back every year. So they're going to continue with it. Fauci's already out there again saying, uh, no, we're, we're going to need everybody to get boosted and, and vaccinated if you haven't already. They're, like they're, they're, they're pushing that, <laughs> that rotted out corpse of COVID out into the town square again. And they're not even trying to repackage it. Like they're they're just rolling it right out. Monkeypox didn't gain any traction. They're trying with that, I think. You've already got statistics now. The CDC, by the way, they're back to their tribal classification system. Most of Western Europe is 100 cases per 100,000. They're that close to classifying most of Western Europe as level four do not travel to because of COVID. So anyway, all right, um, we're going to go ahead and jump out of here. For those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. You know, someone you're trying to wake up, you know, someone you're trying to get to think on their own. We'd appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Bruce, thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening. Thank you.